And welcome back to another episode of the Black Watch Report. I'm your host, Thorn Rain. With me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Kyle Wynn. How are you doing this evening, sir? Pretty good. Lots of games to cover. There's games happening right now. I'm literally like on my second monitor watching to see the British Hurricane American Tornado matchup. Um, looking pretty good so far, but like it's super hard to tell. Luckily, you can't like see how horrendous the ping is for whoever didn't get their server on this matchup. Yeah, it's wild, but uh, it should be should be fun. Hopefully, um, I, I, apparently both the teams are like s- trying their hardest, and it kind of shows, which is good to see because a lot of these games have a tendency to have people kind of just clowning around because it's not worth anything. So, and I mean, technically, we could say that if American Tornado wins, they beat an Overwatch League team. I'm just saying. Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitively. Contenders team beating an Overwatch League team. Uh, just wait. But uh, anything, uh, anything fun and new on your side of the the United States of America right now? Not really. I know I'm in the same. Trying to now. trying to figure out like Christmas plans and stuff is always weird. Like trying to be as low impact and minimalist as as, as possible. Yep. Um. You know, that's always a, an interesting one. And so trying to figure that out. Um, luckily, I got all my like shopping and stuff done a couple weeks ago. My sister is still buying gifts and is like freaking the heck out. <laughs> I'm like, good thing I missed out on that. Because like, I can imagine that's just the certain kind of thing that would just destroy like you full of stress after having. Oh, yeah. Shopping. on Like after this, the year we've had like. You should know you get your stuff done early, or else you're just gonna have more stress because it's already a stressful year. So, avoiding stress, chilling out—that's what I'm doing. I had my last bit of Christmas stress the other night, uh, getting my daughter a new skateboard for Christmas. Mm. Bought her a deck, bought her a gift card so we could go down and she could pick out everything she wants with the deck. Wife goes to wrap the uh, gift card. It says that there's a certain amount of money on there. And the amount that I put on that card was three times the amount that it said was on there. <laughs> and this is also the card that has already been lost once in the mail. Oh, no. Showed up three days late on a priority mail shipping. <laughs> I, like, this, you want to talk about stressed? I, I was losing my mind with this gift card. Uh... Everything got straightened out. I am now completely done with Christmas shopping. And that's only because I had to fix something last minute. I had to open the gift card after my wife wrapped it. Are you sure of how much it is? To fix it, because it was just all bad all around. Oh, dude, those are the worst, too, because those are like, that's not even your fault. It's not even like you didn't play early enough. It was just someone else messed up and things got all screwed up on... (laughs) The other end. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, I pulled up my original confirmation, my bank statement. They took the money. They just didn't give it back to me on the card. Oh, no. Uh, but uh, no, they got it all situated and sorted, and now I'm good to go. And three days of work, and then I'm out until the fourth. Man, can't nice. wait. I'm going to hopefully rebuild the PC while we're in downtime, and actually start playing some some games i might pull the trigger and buy cyberpunk if it's available on stores 
Well, yeah, it should. I mean, yeah, it should be all right. I don't know. We'll see. If any, if any of the other uh, uh, online shopping spots, <laughs> I can only imagine what just happened. See, unfortunately, <laughs> it's just a huge. I just, <laughs> I just watched I shape just dumpster uh, Hattie with a Earth Shatter on the other screen, like a oh, full team Earth Shatter. I can't wait to turn that on and watch that. Uh, but let's get into this news. News brought to you, as always, by our Patreons. Head over to patreon.com slash blackwatchreport. Sign up at the $2 level. You can sponsor our news this week. Mr. Thugly, thank you so much. Kyle, take us away on this one piece of scene news here that you found. This was a bit of an interesting one. I, th- this, I don't know how to clarify this or classify this. Um, but basically, there was a, a report from, I think it was the tr- uh, Dark Mode team translator who basically stated that... Uh, Dark Mode's coach, J-Mac, who joined the team, like, not even, maybe two weeks ago, uh, created a 60-page team research and strategy document for the team ahead of their gauntlet matches. Um, and then Moser had a comment to that, saying the guy was a, hold a two-hour VOD review that would be even more detailed. Dark Mode was very good players, but J-Mac made the team a top three NA team. He did this in 11 days with a complete mismatch team overall. J Mac Frowl. So it was just like a particular thing. Like this guy has been a coach for not even, I think he literally for only 11 days has been in any sort of coaching spot. He was previously retired after London Spitfire. Um, wasn't sure kind of where he would go. Ended up coaching an NA team and did incredibly well the, to help them pretty drastically overperform. Dark Mode was not a top three team. Uh, before we saw them play, and we both had them going out pretty quickly, I feel like. Uh, but they overperformed because of fantastic coaching. So um, it might be a little quick to call him up immediately, but I think if if he can move on to like a higher team and help them pre- perform well, or even just pull Dark Mode up to continue to be a higher level team, one more good season or you know half a year for them, I think he absolutely deserves a spot. Um, the next little bit of, of roster news is another weird one, dude. This team, I don't understand. I feel like this we is broke the, them down and we the, couldn't find anything really spectacular. But it's the recent generations, mighty AOD, the team that had like Kareev and fate on it and a bunch of other like, hold on. Who's on that one? That was a. Oh, yeah. And Erster and DM. <laughs> It's like that's a huge roster, but um, we had Friday the main support player from Oz Gaming get signed to NYXL. That means it's the third player off of this bottom, literally bottom level team. Got ninth through tenth in Gauntlet, uh, and um, and not even Gauntlet. They did not. Gauntlet was a pipe dream. Um, ninth through tenth in contenders. I don't think they won a single match or map even. Um, yeah, no, they were zero and four minus twelve. Uh, got three would every single time they played, but they have half of their team getting called up to Overwatch League behind skewed and checkmate. So Friday is joining that roster uh, of NYXL, who I think literally only have two players right now. Uh, Jonah, they have a support line and a tank line. Yep. Bianchi Yakpung. So that there's we there's still some options for DPS here. 
Um, it's seeming like they may, like the rumor was that they're picking up a lot of younger talent. So maybe we are going to see some of those um, more developmental. Yeah. So I think like maybe the WGS Phoenix players, maybe if you can pull someone from one of the other, like kind of developing rosters as well. Um, but uh, a final note for this thing is going through a lot of the players is um, this year we mentioned how there's kind of a drought of players who are just turning 18. So you don't, didn't really have any like major, like sparkle level alarm level pickups, but like after going through and like doing some more research next year is going to be nuts. You've got assassin aging in, you've got stalker aging in, you've got proper aging in. It is going to be an incredible year for incredible DPS players to come in. But meanwhile, this year, everyone's like finding the the deep cuts, the really like good players on bad teams, it seems like. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out once we get into like Overwatch League matches with some of these players that are coming off of the lower end contender teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe these all coaches turn them around. Maybe we see them perform at contenders level. I don't know. Uh, but the next bit of news here, Muma left dark mode to go to revival. Revival flunked out. Uh, Muma back to dark mode this time as a coach, not playing. Um, so he came back in, I believe right as their, uh, losers finals, uh, well, right before their loser finals uh, matchup against Odyssey. So, uh, congratulations, Muma. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird one. Now. <laughs> They're like, do I want to still play? I guess not. Got bodied by my former team and a bunch of other players. Like, let's just, you know, let's just try the coaching thing out instead after literally they got three out by this roster. He's like, okay, that's fine. I'm done. Welcome. <laughs> hey, guys, you know all that uh, smack talk in lobby. I didn't mean that, no. but. Can I come back, please? But uh, that is the last bit of news. Not a whole lot of news this week. We're in, again, that weird spot. Uh, let's get down into this quick play. We've got three matches to cover. We're covering the EU, NA, and the well Asia uh, Grand Finals matchup that happened uh, Saturday, and then this morning for us in NA. Uh, so, Kyle, we're going to start off with EU here. We saw British Hurricane going up against Obey Alliance. Um, do we want to break down the last bit of the bracket, or do we just want to go yeah. over the matches? I think we have the, after the winner's semifinals and losers round three and on that we didn't cover last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the upper semis, we had Obey Alliance and Ex Oblivion. And actually, I want to, I got to pull up our um, our predictions here. I want to see how close we were to getting these correct. Um, let's see. I had... Probably the closest. <laughs> yeah, I had... Did I have that going perfectly? My whole upper upper bracket was perfect. Um, instead of Sheer Cold, we had... Oh, dude, I was so close on that. The whole second half of that. So I had um, Obey and Ex Oblivion in the top winner semi, which happened. I had Sheer Cold, British Hurricane, the bottom winner semi, which happened. I had Obey and British Hurricane beating out Sheer Cold and Ex Oblivion, respectively. I had Sheer Cold going down um, 
beating out Young and Beautiful, but instead of that, they faced off against New Kings. And then I had Ex Oblivion beat out Avoided, but instead they had ended up playing Shoes Money Crew. So I had those two teams, Sheer Cold and Ex Oblivion, facing off. I gave it to Sheer Cold instead of Oblivion instead, because um, Ex Oblivion won out 3 1. Um, and then in the winners' finals, I had British Hurricane beating out Obey, kicking them down, which happened 3 0. It was pretty strong from them. Um, then in the losers' finals, uh, Ex Oblivion did fall to Obey, like I predicted. Obey would come back for the salty run back, but as well get crushed 4 0. Stomped. You had a, was even closer. Close. You yeah, got the only thing that I missed on those was sheer ones. cold. Um, over yeah, or, you, uh, AOA tape beating out sheer cold and sheer cold failing out in the losers bracket, but yeah, sheer cold advanced quite a bit further and still set up a had, pretty nice bracket for me. You had different winner semis matches. You mm-hmm. had New Kings facing off Obey as well, but you had the losers round four, losers finals, winners finals, all kind of locked down. So. We were both pretty close on this one, especially. Like this was the the much more known one. I mean, after the hiccup at the EU finals of uh November contenders, I think we both kind of knew that it was a bit of a fluke and that British Hurricane were the better team and that they would come back to this mm. with the um furious anger that they had. Uh and then they showed that. They ended up winning 4-0 like I mentioned previously, over Obey Alliance here. Um, starting off with Nepal, uh, I, the first two maps were kind of close. I think then Village came out, and uh, British Hurricane run a Ryan Winston, which was wild to see, but I think they also ended up still running like the May, as is like the Village special. The May Reinhardt's kind of a bit more normal there, but you did have Mofig on the uh, Winston, which I feel like we have seen it only rarely come in as the like Winston off tank. Um, but it was interesting to see. And then that ended up going to British Hurricane 2-1. And then moving into Volskaya, we did have a 2-0, uh, particularly on the back of Sparker on the Tracer. Um, not only harassing the backline, but also just straight one-to-one killing the DPS as well. Uh, it is unfortunate that he is still too young to be called up to the Overwatch League, um, but he will be able to be brought in, I think, two weeks before the final deadline, yep, which is wild. His birthday is like June 10th. The deadline is June 30th. So I, I mentioned this to you that it seems kind of unlikely that he would go to a different team if London Spitfire want to kind of give him the sparkle treatment. They can. But I feel like any other team would probably not pick him up um, for the last minute. But it, it seems like at least a significant amount of British Hurricane are just going to go straight up to the big leagues. Um, and it would be great to see him go there as well and kind of be plugged back into this roster once he turns of age. Yeah. Because dude's tracer is incredible. I mean, he's probably the most set for a... Uh, signed to the team, put on the academy team until he's of age. Keep him in the yeah. You could definitely fresh playing British Hurricane, mm-hmm. and then date of his birthday, just pull him up so he's ready to kind of step in where is needed. 
another thing about Sparker, this is actually a, a tandem with Hattie, uh, on Volskaya, their attack. Hattie likes to go on these crazy flanks. Um, but Obey Alliance knew it. So they were sending two after Hattie and hunting him down deep in the back, uh, basically in the defender spawn area. Uh, they did that twice. So the third time around, they actually broke Sparker off of the main attack and sent him to bodyguard Hattie, which then pulled the same two off because to go hunt Hattie. But now it was a two-two uh, British Hurricane line was able to get a pick. And then they just left the other person in the back line, advanced back up to the main fight, instantly took the fight away from uh, Obey, taking point A, sending him down to B. Uh, it was one of those, you, you see that there's an opening because this team is shutting you down. Make a minor adjustment. They did it on the fly. Worked out beautifully for the British Hurricane here. Yeah, and then uh, on the other kind of DPS slot here, Danid was also really incredible. I think one of the things I mentioned for some other rosters, I think it was, was Revival, is you had um, players like, you had a particular combo of like, when the the hit scan was on the Ash, they were doing well, but when they had to go to the Tracer, they wouldn't do as well. And same with your uh, Flex DPS, when you had that had them on uh, Echo, they were doing incredible, but as soon as they had to move to the Tracer, it didn't work. Bristol can do not have that issue. Sparker is about as good on the like sniper heroes as he is on the tracer, and I think that's one of the main reasons this team looks so good is because when you're running a a ranged comp uh, with him on the the ash or whatever, he, they're fine. But I think they ran mostly tracer uh, echo here, and it just was absolutely flawless for them. Um, particularly was interesting is Dana did a lot of um, tracer copying. Uh, so you'd have a pulse bomb come out of Sparker and then, okay, it would get rezzed or it would get tranced and nullified, but you did still burn one or two, either a cooldown or an ultimate. Meanwhile, Dana can do the same thing, copy the enemy tracer, go in, build the pulse bomb, hit it, and now either your mercy has no res, you can kill the Zen, or the Zen has no trance and you can kill him. So, um, we're kind of seeing it played similar to how a lot of um, Echo players had previously done it with like the Sigma Ultimate, where you do the same thing as you you get use a Gravitic Flux to pull out the ults, but you can do it with the Tracer Pulse Bomb instead. I, and, and I think most of these players are a little bit more familiar with how to play Tracer, so they can get the Pulse Bomb a little bit better than getting like a, a big Gravitic Flux, it seems like. My only issue with Dan it was a lot of the team fights, and I mean a lot uh he was getting picked first and usually picked early uh british hurricane was able to either sustain or win in most of those cases uh the 5v6 team fights um i don't know if it was just a lack of support because they usually weren't running the uh mercy for damage that's what i was thinking so yeah so I think we'll see a juxtaposition behind that compared to um, speedily an OG mm -hmm. in NA, where OG was almost always on the mercy, giving speedily like the hard pocket. Um, yeah. Dan was much more kind of self-sufficient because you had Kellex, I think, on Lucio most of the time. And yeah. so um, he was either, you had to get a Zen orb or just stand near the Lucio and get the uh, passive healing. Uh, instead so that does kind of make sense and i'll give him a little benefit of the doubt on that but yeah um uh but it's 
in his absence, the tank line was just putting out so much damage that it really didn't matter because he would go in and he would put heavy pressure on, um, you know, one of the DPS or one of the tanks with the, the beam and then usually get picked and then the tanks would just aggro right into the front line and clean up what he started. So it worked, but it's one of those things where is it going to work if we see this team move up? Are they going to need to clean that up a little bit and kind of give him a little bit more resources than what he's currently getting? Yeah. Um, and then kind of the first two were pretty strong. And I think after a certain point in time, like I think after they got full held and it wasn't like a zero percent full hold. I mean, they did get at least two ticks. They just couldn't get the final tick. Mm-hmm. Um it kind of seemed like, and I don't know if this is necessarily a tilt pick, but it seems like Lethal has the tendency as a player to kind of just switch to every different thing as opposed to like, okay, this is the meta pick. I just need to play it better. He's like, ah, this isn't working. Let's try this. Ah, this isn't working. Let's try that. When instead it might actually just be a, no, dude, you just need to play that particular thing better or they're just a better team and you're going to lose regardless of what you play. Uh, because come king's row we end up swapping to the soldier 76 and it seemed really not like it found much value if anything the only person that had more value was danid who copied him on the uh mm-hmm. on the duplicate and got a, a pretty big zoning visor to push everyone off a second point and cap that out so was it lethal um, that we saw also kind of tilt pick uh to torb because uh he was uh, getting so he was yeah. getting abs- the, the back line was getting so shredded by uh, the flanks that they tried using the Torb turret to kind of cut that back. That didn't yeah, really work I, for him either. I think someone had mentioned that he was kind of like uh, the EU's version of Lee, where he'd play like, you know, 30 different heroes within the course of a match. He's kind of doing that. I think he's always done that. I think he's kind of, that's kind of his, uh, his particular flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact that I'm pretty sure he's the. I mean, because he's playing against Naga, who's the true flex, uh, or supposed to be at least, but he's just like kind of swapping to every different thing. So that is interesting that we saw so many picks. I mean, and, and after King's Row, we saw him pull out the Bastion on Gibraltar. So it just seems kind of interesting. Um, uh, player we haven't talked about too much, but is still equally as good as the rest of the players on his team is Molfig. Um, particularly with the Gravitic Fluxes, it seems like teams have shifted away from the Baptiste to the Zen again, um, which makes Gravitic Fluxes always going to be a little bit more valuable because instead of having it just on a pretty substantial cooldown, but still a cooldown, um, you only have a Gravitic Flux nullifying ability in the Transcendence. And so it's meaning that Mulfig will end up getting a lot more big Fluxes. And that's what exactly what he did. He was getting uh, huge impacts. Um, on kind of the the fights where you didn't have significant support ults from Hobe Alliance here, um, and even still, one of the things I mentioned or I noticed quite a bit is there was a lot of ults being used in lost fights when you're down two or three, or even in fights where you're like getting pushed back and they're fighting you while you're on your way back to spawn. I'm pretty sure we saw a couple of ults being used that like really why would that be the time? And it was like it. It feels like they were tilted, but like I don't. It feels odd to just think that like a team that has been up against British Hurricane and is 
always the second place, except when they beat them last time this team, or two times ago when this team's played. Um, It seems weird that they would straight tilt and, you know, throw ults away and swap it. Like, maybe not necessarily tilted, but, like, not sure of their plan, and it seems like they just can't do anything anymore. It was it was tricky. Um, and then even more on this one, too, I mentioned Sparker uh, being harassing on the Tracer. I think the, the primary thing that we saw was just the constant pressure from both of the DPS. Daniel was always providing pressure onto the back line and the DPS line. Um, Sparker, same thing. He'd be able to distract like two or three. I think he was on first on their defense. He ended up having the Wrecking Ball chasing him, the Enemy Tracer chasing him, making the Ana turn around when they were on Ana. There were so many different like heroes that were just looking at him and not pushing the point. So he just did an incredible job of just being obnoxious. And even when Lethal, uh, on his 50th hero pick, uh, the Widowmaker, you just saw the Tracer was right next to him the whole time and forcing him to worry about SMG, finding the health pack, hitting the Venom Mine, instead of right-clicking and um, going for the snipe picks onto supports and stuff. And then my last big note here. Nuts. The the Jehung classic, the sleep-darting, the nano-bladed Genji. Um, Naga had the blade ready, he had the, the nano-boost, but Rippa knew, he just saved it kept the cool head waited until he dashed in he got like one slice uh and then slept him and he just completely nullified the ult so great play from him uh, i'm hoping ripa does get his call up because he's looked incredible and i think the only risk is that um if he doesn't go to london spitfire other teams might think of him as well he didn't wasn't good enough to start on the gliders okay okay, that was like a year ago and he has done an incredible job and won so many things since then give him a freaking tryout (laughs) so setting us up we've got our first uh well we've got the teams that we know are going to come into the atlantic showdown uh obey alliance and british hurricane british hurricane taking the the win there now we got to figure out who they're going to be playing against coming in from na we've got uh, American Tornado versus Odyssey. Let's talk about this bracket real quick. Yeah, so we had... I think we were pull both our... way off. Yeah. <laughs> so other, other, than, was... other than the winner's finals and the grand finals, this was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing in particular that we had mentioned, um, Dark Mode, really... I mean, you had Dark Mode going pretty far. You had him going up to losers round four. They ended up making it all the way to Losers Finals, which is uh, quite a bit. I had them going out in Losers Round 2. I had Noble and Drifters going a lot higher, um, as well as Susano, but Susano got knocked out pretty early. Um, Losers. They got knocked out by British Hurricane, or not British Hurricane, (laughs) Uprising (laughs) Academy. Those are very different teams. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very Um, different. But yeah, winter semifinals, we had American Tornado take out Noble. I think we both kind of knew that that yep. would happen. AT is just the best in the region at the moment. We both had Odyssey as well, beating out the team below them. Uh, we both predicted Susanna, but it ended up being LFT instead. Yep. Um, losers round three, you had uh, Dark Mode versus LFT, where Dark Mode ended up uh, performing, as we've mentioned, better than we thought. 
Moving on to face off against Uprising Academy, who ended up beating out Noble in a 3-2. Another team that we didn't quite expect to make it this far. Nope. Uh, won three more matches than we thought they would. Um, yeah, they got a lot further. But Dark Mode did uh, put Uprising back down to uh, not being in the tournament. Uh, 3-1 them, moving on to face off against the American Tornado Odyssey. Uh, losers, which was Odyssey as well, in a 3-0. Super strong from them. Odyssey in a pretty close match, 3-2s. Dark Mode denying the reverse sweep as well, which was pretty close. It was a 2-1 on Oasis to end it all after a pretty... I mean, I didn't watch it, but according to the score, it looked pretty close back and forth most of the time here. So, I had Um, Odyssey in the background while I was taking care of some stuff, and that was an absolute banger of a match, like, just all around. And it's kind of crazy, because if I'm not mistaken, let me pull it up just real quick. I think it was the same exact way, yeah, uh, over in EU, where the loser's final was the way more exciting matchup uh, than the grand finals. But that oh yeah, it was a free. Sh- <laughs> that just kind of shows you the the skill gap of the British Hurricane and American Tornado when it comes to the next closest team. Like British yeah, Hurricane three super interesting. Alliance four Odom in the finals, but then down in the the lower, you got Obey Alliance going three two over Ex Oblivion, and I believe they were all pretty close, other than uh, Controls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even then, and NA was flipped. the exact same thing yep. too. American Tornado three out Odyssey, then Odyssey Dark Mode was a three two super close, and then Odyssey went back up and got four out uh, by American Tornado again. So NA and EU very similar regions, very similarly named top two teams. Yeah. <laughs> pretty decent <laughs> skill gap between first and second, and then second and third pretty close together. So yep. really oddly similar, but. Um, this one was a little bit more dominant, I think. Yeah, um, a lot of the matches. Yeah, I mean, I think the first two maps were pretty close. Um, it was a two-one on Nepal going to AT. Temple of Anubis again, another two-one. But after that, you had two first holds. Uh, Kings Row and Gibraltar both pretty strong. One of the things in particular I noticed was on Nepal especially, they were not giving Rhino any room to play. I think they ended up playing a a less flanky, slower comp. And in that, they ended up just, okay, we'll let Rhino run into us, and then we're just going to stun him out, burn him, and use that Zenyatta Discord to uh, get the increased damage, and then just try to like kill him before he can even roll away. Because normally when you play against a Wrecking Ball, you don't get overly distracted by him in turn, because he'll just run away and survive. They were able to be, quote-unquote, distracted by him because they had the firepower to take him up before he could roll away. So that was pretty strong. Um, As well on Anubis, I think uh, Nos and Vulcan, both in particular, really good. I think Nos especially, like if the one player on this team that really deserves um, credit is especially Nos. He was getting 2 and 3Ks on average, really, it was absolutely incredible. Like even in losing fights, he was able to get picks. Um, Vulcan as well, 
had some really big gravitic fluxes and, and has always been a, a pretty solid off tank here for this team. But Nas in particular on the Echo was always just absolute next level. I think he's really um, shown up on that hero, especially over the last like year. Yeah, and then kind of a rough spot. I'm going to talk about him twice here um, as we go over this matchup. But this first one, Luke Mino, man, he was having a rough go. Uh, we were talking about not seeing the BAP as much. Luke Mino was running the BAP a decent amount here. Um, had a real rough one on, I believe it was King's Row, point B. Fight's lost. He's at like a quarter health. He decides to try to pop. I'm thinking he tries to decide to pop uh, Amplification Matrix. Absolutely just throwing it away because he got shredded the second he did it. Um... It was one of those, we saw a couple whiffed alts coming from Odyssey, but this one really stuck out. There was zero reason to hit that ultimate, and Luke Mino just kind of threw it away as uh, AT just rolled into point B on King's Row with no issue at all. Yeah, and then one of the things I did notice, particularly on Temple of Anubis, was how Shape uses the uh, Wrecking Ball Mines instead of like throwing them on top of everyone instead what they ended up doing was he ends up putting it behind them in like a choke point um like if they're playing on the the kind of the bridge on anubis second he places them on the point to then push the rest of odyssey into them as they try to retreat so they kind of have no point of escape um i feel like he also ended up doing it on king's row as well uh, on their attack is to you know do it behind them in a narrow corridor and then run into them and instead of trying to be mobile and back up and give them a little bit of space to get better positioning they just ran into the mines and had to either die to the pressure or die to the mine so interesting play from him i don't think i saw too much of that maybe i just need to study more wrecking ball play but um shape in particular has looked stellar on these kind of less traditional main tank picks he was absolutely nuts on the the roadhog when he played that yep. um his wrecking ball has been incredible as well i think it is i think he's mentioned in the past having some issues like finding tryouts or like getting kind of passed over by teams uh for overwatch league because people know him as like a dps player or the brig player on goats and stuff like that and so Despite the fact he's been playing main tank for like a year and a half already at like a top of tier two level consistently, um, it does still kind of suck that he's been getting passed over for, you know, other teams um, at the moment. So hopefully he gets his opportunity soon because the guy's been crushing it consistently for quite a while. I mean, like I said in pre-show, if... American Tornado beats British Hurricane, we can definitively say a contenders team beat an Overwatch League team. <laughs> uh, but kind of sticking on shape here. Uh, shape playing the ball. Great mechanics with it. Paired him with Speedily on some absolutely insane dives. Uh, those two basically were in tandem uh, diving into the support line or uh, out of position uh, DPS players, and just deleting people instantly. Uh, shape swings in, pile drives, 
speedily throws the sticky mines and then instantly beams and basically just deletes people. Uh, it was a great combo. Saw it a bunch. This is another one where like this team just plays phenomenally together. Um, can't wait until we can possibly see speedily get up there because he is a filthy, filthy echo player. Yep, um, but the the major problem with most of this American Tornado Very team small. is they are all children. Um, I think only cucumber and cucumber and shape. Only the tankland is of age. I think is OG. Wait, I think OG. OG. No, OG's pretty young. I think he's sixteen, seventeen. Yep, OG's oh. seventeen. Ultraviolets. I think just seventeen as well. Sixteen. I'm saying uh, speedily super young. Obviously, Hydron, everyone on this team is super young, except for the tank line. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, in particular, Speedily, as well as Cucumber, had a, a really particular like, big play on King's Row. They ended up almost losing the first port and hold um, after losing almost everyone on this team, except for the two of them, but they both survived super long. I think both of the supports ended up dying and they just kept holding on. They kept stalling out, got picks, flipped it back and then ended up winning and securing the first hold um, after getting almost to the end on their attack. So a super strong play from the two of them. And then on Gibraltar, especially you would expect to see big work from your echo and your mercy play here on Gibraltar. It is a very, um, sky dps level um map and in particular you saw speedily and og coordinate incredibly well together um again another super hard thing to, like it, fly, uh, main supports it's always so difficult to like find out when they're doing well and like to know if they're good or not good besides like are they on a winning team okay they're good um, but OG in particular, we've been seeing a lot of Mercy play as of recently, and him in particular, he has been always pretty adept at that hero. Um, never really dying unless it's like the rest of his team is already dead, and that, yeah, then you kind of expect that. But like, he's never been picked off um, in like silly ways, never gets caught out trying to res in, in a stupid way. And. We, if he does go for an aggressive res, they have good support for it. Um, I think in, in particular on Cucumber, on where it was, whether or not it was, I think it was on Gibraltar. It was on Gibraltar. On the first point hold, it yep. was like to secure it and make sure they continue the first point hold. Um, so big play from him. And then the reason we saw Speedly do so much work is because he had that mercy pocket. I, honestly, the mercy was on him for about ninety percent of this match yep. um, when they were running it, and so that'll definitely ensure you do get such incredible damage. I mean, he got two kill focusing beams every other fight. It seemed like um, really, really strong play from Speedily, and then uh, you know, obviously off the back of OG doing well. Um, we didn't see as much come out from Hydron here. Um, he he did fine. Consistent. Yeah, he was kind of fine. I don't think you need to be incredible. Um, to You don't need to do too much as long as you're kind of just doing your job and you're winning. It doesn't really matter, honestly. If yeah. if the focus is on speedily to do work, 
on the echo and then the doom fist when he's been running the doom fist like that that's fine dude like you just need to be a role player at that point this very much felt like hydron just needed to harass and lower health pools and then yeah speedily, just don't feed yeah and then speedily would clean it up and hydron could move on but there was one flashy play that hydron had on uh gibraltar luke mino on the uh uh the baptiste again had rack attack uh, attached to him on the mercy i'm not sure if it was the healing beam or if it was the uh the dps beam but hydron double blinks while uh lucamino's mid-air and just deletes him one clip straight to the face while he's got the the beam attached to him just dumps him recalls goes back to the main fight uh i believe it was like two or three kills that he got during that fight was this the one where he also got like the melee kill on the on like he gets the full the one clip then a melee yep. kill finish and then recalls out yep it, it was, that was, it was incredible absolutely insane and like we said earlier it wasn't like he was going absolutely nuts like you typically see the tracer player doing he was just consistent and then he would do something like this where it's like eh, i am good enough i just don't have to be right now speedily mm-hmm. handling it yeah but uh Moving into the Asia matches, um, this in particular, we didn't end up getting um, any of the bracket until, when did we start? Right after our, no, yeah, three days ago. So all of these matches happened pretty recently. So we have the whole bracket to run down um, until our winners, or our grand finals that we'll be breaking down here. Um, in particular... So let me, let's go back to our, our uh, bracket here. This we knew who would one. be where. We didn't know how that would go. So starting off round one, we had Team CC versus Gen G. Yep. We both had Team CC winning that. Yep. Cool. We got one right. We're where good. that winner of that Team CC would go face off against WGS Phoenix. Below that, we had Runaway uh, Element Mystic. We both had Element Mystic. It went to Runaway, but that was a close one. It was a 3-2. Yep. Um, pretty pretty close matchup there. They went on to face Flag Gaming. Lower bracket. Um, actually, no. We talked about the round two here. You saw Team CC beat out WGS Phoenix, which uh, I didn't guess right. You did. You got that, that one right. Yep. Uh, and then we did both guess Flag Gaming would kind of get rocked. Um, we both actually had them going out in two rounds, which ended up happening. They got 3-0'd by Runaway, and then 3-0'd by Gen G as well. That was a bit of an interesting one, because they were the ones who won the most recent uh, season of Chinese Contenders. This was the one that we weren't expecting to to have to see as much, though. Um, WGS versus Element Mystic. You had them guessed against... uh, Runaway, as did I, except uh, I got all switched up, I guess. Um, but WGS Phoenix knocked out in two games. Didn't get a single win. They won three maps overall. Pretty and rough go of it for this team. Again, the team that got the buy into round two going out in two rounds. Um, not a real good look for the uh, the top of the, the brackets here. 
Yeah. And then losers round two ended up being Gen G Element Mystic. Oh, my um, heart. Yeah, Element Mystic got knocked out 3 2. Another close matchup, but still. Um, I don't think either of us had Gen G going beyond this particular round two. Nope. Unfortunate. Uh, but then you had Team CC Runaway in the winners' finals. Team CC, pretty dominant so far. Um, neither of us predicted they would win the winners' finals. We predicted, you predicted Element Mystic would beat them out in the winners' finals. I predicted WGS would beat Element Mystic in the winners' finals. Um, unlucky there. But then Runaway ends up going down into the lower bracket where I feel like this was a. I, I don't think most people would have guessed this would go this way. I feel like if you have Runaway versus Gen G, most people are predicting Runaway, but yeah, Gen G came out. Runaway. Yeah, Gen G came out with a three-two victory um, to head back into the winners' finals, where they or grand finals, where they'd face off against the team they had previously faced in round one in Team CC. So. This one in particular, this wasn't as one-sided as the last two matches were in particular. I mean, it was not a 4-0, it was a 4-1. So still pretty um, convincing. It wasn't like a super-duper close match. It wasn't like, a, oh, it could have gone any direction. Like No, it was pretty, pretty solidly in favor of uh, Team CC after that first map. Uh, but we started off in Lijang Tower here. 2-0 for Gen G, which was interesting on this point. Um, you saw Stalker. I think in particular, like the after just watching like a, going through like a Reddit thread and seeing some comments on Twitter and stuff like that of like, okay, how did this match go before I ended up watching it? Everyone was talking about like, okay, Stalker was like, please, I'm gonna make sure we don't lose. I'm going to try my <laughs> hardest to make us not lose. And it showed. Uh, in particular on control center, he ended up playing the May, got a double right click, like boom, boom, kill uh, onto two on control center. So they ended up winning that in particular. But man, throughout this whole match, Stalker was like the one player on Gen G who was consistently turning up. Yeah. And then the May over on the other side, uh, innovation. Okay, hold on. I gotta, I gotta get this off my chest first because. Team CC puts CC in front of their names. Oh. And it was super annoying because at <laughs> first I didn't realize I was watching Dia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of the CCs, it threw me. And then I'm like, wait, I know who that is. Uh, so, yeah, CC Innovation was like throwing me for a loop when I was watching this first matchup here. And then I got kind of used to it. A Blizzard. Uh, give us, like, clan tags so they don't just have to put a stupid CC in front of their name. Uh, but Innovation, on the May, um, not quite as flashy as Stalker was, but what Innovation was doing was his May walls were phenomenal. Uh, laid it right through, like, a amp matrix to completely nullify it so that uh, uh, Team CC couldn't use it. Uh, great uh, separations, splitting the team in, you know, a 2-6 fight. Uh, he had a couple where he closed off 
um, basically retreat paths, forcing uh, Team CC to have to advance directly into uh, Gen G. Uh, qu not quite enough to win the map, but uh, Innovation doing the best he could to try to set up a, a win for Team CC over Gen G here, but uh, wasn't able to pull it out. Yep, and then um, Quasit, who is the flex support here for Genji, ended up popping off quite a bit. Like, I think second only to Stalker on his team, he was showing up quite a bit in the kill feed as well. Um, both Alzo and Ezhan on the other DPSs on Genji didn't really show up as much uh, as like Quasit in particular, always getting like two or three kills in team fights. Um, but I think he was still just getting, uh, killed quite a lot. You have Dia and Innovation on the other side who are making your life absolutely terrible. Um, and then Liege as well, really showing why Hanjo picked him up as like their new, seeming likely to have him be starting as their, uh, off tank player. Do they actually have another off tank player? Oh, they have Bernard as well, but I think most people are kind of feeling like it's going to be... Um, Liege and Gushue playing together here as the, the Chinese tank duo. Um, looked really good this matchup. A lot of big Ravitic flexes here. Um, and then another absolute nuts pickup, uh, going over to Chengdu this next, uh, season. 1987. Oh, there were times he would win 1v1s versus Tracers. Um, Going up and beating out um, Zenyatas as well. There was a particular play on Nepal Village where you saw the Wrecking Ball knock up players as soon as they walked through the front door and he just bursted them out. I think he had like a right click charged up and they just destroyed Ezhan. Um, 1987 in particular, like that guy is going to be incredible. I think he's really going to do a lot for. Um, for Chengdu this next season. Um, pretty sure he's going to be starting, it seems like, as their only flex support. So that is going to be interesting. Um, this was really the match of, of C9s here. We had at least two. I think Kenobi said three on a tweet, but I missed whatever the third one may have been. Um, first one was on Hollywood first. It was, a, again, like, it wasn't a definitive, like, an old C9 where they just, like, walked off the point, or, like, the, uh, the, there was, like, the old Immortals one on, uh, Gibraltar, or the terrible one, um, the Young Jin one on Dorado Literally for the Shanghai Dragons. Walks away from the payload yeah, on overtime. It wasn't quite that egregious, but I think it still is considered to be a C9 because, like, it was... They like were just playing around the point. It wasn't like they got Gravitic fluxed off or like a diva bomb they all ran away from. It was just in a team fight. They were playing all around the point as they do. CC walks on, and that's it. They just go uh, hang out in the cafe. Like, yeah, they're just like playing and on all the high ground behind the dumpster, all that sorts of stuff. And it just doesn't. It's just not enough. They just you have to stand on the point at one point. Um, also happens right next map on Volskaya as well. Same thing happened. 
Oh, um, it was worse. The Volskaya one was was bad. That was a yeah. Bad I one. mean, they had like four and five up at like no. <laughs> at, at a point. They had most of. I think they had a they bob had, on it. They had all six up. I believe they had the bob on it, and they had um. I have who they had killed down. Um, yeah, Dia was dead and was in the process of running back. So they were actually in a 6v5 with a bob on the point, and they literally just didn't drop off of the high ground in touch. That's a bit of a, a bit of an oof. Um, I do have a note here of Ezhan doing a little bit of work here on the ash, but I think one of the main things in particular, like even with a really big, like a bob got thrown onto the point, Team CC was killing the bobs way faster than Gen G could and kind of nullifying that as well as they kind of have the, I guess as ZP used to always put it, the bend don't break kind of defense. Team CC does that quite a lot where they're like, okay, we're going to back up a little bit, withhold a significant amount of ultimate pressure um that genji puts out on them but they live through it all and continue to flip it back yeah and then you've got gaga on the volskaya defense um they're defending point b it's literally they they win the team fight uh all of genji are back at spawn uh, Gaga just barrel rolls straight forward out of nowhere, gets a pick on the mer- or the uh, the tracer, and then just stays there and harasses them all in the back line. They've got like five ultimates, uh, Genji does, and Gaga just makes it to where they can't even get up to the point because they have to deal with Gaga to get through that that little bridge overhang that leads to the courtyard with the truck. They literally couldn't get past Gaga. The man was nuts. He died two seconds remaining on uh, the timer. Just wasn't able to get to the point at that at that moment. Um, brave soul, Gaga is. Uh, who's he going yeah. to? He's he's, he's going to uh, also going to Chengdu as yeah. well. He's he's as the one of their four tanks. <laughs> He's going to be fun to watch on Chengdu, especially if they continue to kind of play off meta and wild things. Uh, Gago should fit right into that uh, setup that they've got over there. Yep. And then last couple of points here in particular, we saw them go to Rialto where they had a really strong hold after the bridge. So Genji got a first point cap and then... Right at the bridge, they got completely stalled out. Uh, Team CC took the high ground behind them, or uh, not behind them, but in front of them across the bridge. Just kind of held it out. Um, killed two as soon as they could like try to get across the bridge. I think that one ended with like no one could even get there until the very last second, and it was just the wrecking ball. They burnt yep. him out super quick. Um, again, my note here... Stalker in particular, trying his absolute hardest to not lose. In losing fights, he would still get like two kills, at least, by himself. Um, on numerous heroes as well, I think he ended up playing a bunch of different heroes on this particular match. Uh, just didn't quite work. And then as I mentioned, the Ezhan kill on Village, uh, you saw the, the Wrecking Ball come up. 
pop up as Han. You had the Zen right click charged. You had a, a Zen orb likely. You had so much damage, and you just instantly died. Um, and then you shout out Innovation at the start of this match. I didn't really see him as much until the later matches. I think Rialto and Nepal especially, he was starting to really come alive um, on the Tracer pick here. So really, Team CC is... I don't know, like they're just like next level um above most of the other teams that we saw. And this is a a mixed team as well. You've got Innovation and Spectra, our Korean players on this otherwise Chinese roster. So um really super strong play from them in particular. Uh really well deserved victory for them as well. And then the only other thing I have to talk about or we have to talk about is how the show matches are going. And we are on the last map of the winners one. But the second place one uh, was on a four in favor of Obey Alliance. Odyssey were able to take Temple of Anubis, but Nepal, King's Row, Route 66, and Oasis were all um, in favor of Obey. But meanwhile, a British Hurricane American Tornado, 3-3 going into Gibraltar. Doors opening right now. So um, check out that match because we're... Uh, basically about done here aren't i think <laughs> yeah that's that's basically all we've got for this evening um probably the last show of the year we've got christmas this coming week we've got new year's the following week uh so we'll look to start recording sometime in early january um there probably won't be a whole lot going on gonna be looking to get some interviews um calling on the hamster man himself uh, shape. Come talk with us. It'll be phenomenal. You're hilarious. I, I want I want to talk to Shape. Uh, and then maybe we'll try to get somebody from uh, British Hurricane. That one will probably be a little bit more difficult because time zones and whatnot. But um, yeah, definitely going to be looking at some interviews at the beginning of the year. So Kyle, where can they find you on the internet, sir? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle the Winner, and that's about it right now. I've got all my anytime I'm on a podcast or anything I have something going on, I'm usually just tweeting about it on there. That's my primary uh, social media place. Yep. Find me over on Twitter at Thorn Rain. Uh, that's basically the only place I do anything. Um, hopefully, here coming in the new year, I'll actually start streaming something. Uh, Stardew Valley is dropping an update. I might stream some of that. Uh, play some Overwatch, a little bit of Apex, and uh, like I said earlier, thinking about picking up Cyberpunk finally. And I do all of that right here on the Blackwatch Report Twitch channel. But if you're an audio listener, swing over to that Twitch channel and hit the follow button. We'll give you a shout out. If you've got Amazon Prime, that means you've got Twitch Prime. You can hit the subscribe button for absolutely free because we are affiliates. If you want to help us out completely free, just a little bit of your time, head over to iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review. Send us a screenshot. We'll read it on the show. We do appreciate those. Uh, you can find the show, Blackwatch Report, dot, or, uh, on Twitter at Blackwatch Report. No, own that report. Email the show, blackwatchreport at gmail.com, and follow the show right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash blackwatchreport. We record lives Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Our intro music is an original piece by our own Mr. Kyle Wynn. This has been a High Noon production. You can find all of our shows over at highnoonpodcast.com and come and chat with the hosts in the discord at discord.me slash high noon podcast and with that black watch out